So tonight we're going through Galatians uh, chapter 6, yeah. verses 1 through 10. And uh, just to kind of give you an idea, we like to, I, I really like to just kind of go through sections of Scripture. I'm not a big guy for picking out, you know, oh, this verse plus this verse and a few other ones, you know, matched up, make uh, the point that I'm trying to make. I really like to just see what the Bible has to say and speak from it. Um, so what we've been doing since the very first week, so again, we're on our 12th week. Um, we've been going through Galatians and now for us to be going through Galatians and be in chapter six, verses one through 10, that signals like we got one more week and then pastor Jeff has to find a new place to, I already have plans. Don't worry. Don't worry. But the big thing that I want to communicate is this. When, um, we started this whole thing, we got our feet under us to understand what this book was all about. And, and when you're reading the Bible, one of the very, very important things that, that I want to stress is that when you read it, you read it with the idea of the context and you read it with the big picture in mind. And to understand this book, uh, you have to understand it's just straight a letter. It didn't start out with chapter and verse markers. It didn't have uh, all the little notes and footnotes that you might find in a Bible or a little B that says you can find this in Genesis somewhere or whatever. Like, you're going to see, and when you read this text, you got to understand, it was a letter written by Paul to a group of churches in a specific region. And the way that they would read this and the way that they would treat this, again, all that they knew up until this point was the, the way that they did it when they were following the Jewish faith. So when, when they were in the Jewish faith, what they was, would do is they would gather together and they would read from the scrolls of the law. And they would read the Old Testament, okay? So we would know that. They didn't, Paul didn't know he was writing the New Testament. It just kind of happened along the way. But as they would read the Old Testament, then they would have teachers that would explain to them what that meant and how that would go. So when you come to Galatians and you've got a new church and they're saying, no, it's not the old way. Um, we're doing this. Christ has come and now there's a new way to do this. Then what they would do is they would gather together and they would say, hey, everybody, we need you to come. We're going to have a meal together. We're going to do some life together. But most of all, our pastor sent us a letter explaining stuff specifically for us so that we could understand what our response to Christ needs to be. So the book of Galatians is the heart of a pastor explaining to a specific group of churches what following Christ should look like in their picture and their perspective. And so they would gather together and they didn't have a lot of copies of this letter. And a specific church, they would sit down and every time they would meet, they would read this letter from beginning to end. Beginning to end. Beginning to end. Every time. And if it's taken us over 12 weeks to get through a book, can you only imagine what basically these people who are sitting in a setting like this would experience when they sat down and probably one of a few people among them who could read because it wasn't a big thing that everybody knew how to read back then, would say, here's what our pastor had to tell us about Jesus Christ. And they'd begin to read from the beginning to the end of the book, or the letter. 
And so that when we go through this, we want to understand where we are in this letter. And, and Paul's come to the point when he's explaining his final thoughts. This would be, you know, your last paragraph of your letter home. This is kind of the last things that he wants to share with them before he knows. It's going to be a big space of time before I probably get to write you again. But I need you to understand those things. Okay, so the context is set. Now let me ask you very specifically, have you ever met somebody or run into somebody who is really proud of all the good things that they do? Anybody? Right? They kind of like let you know, oh, by the way, I was, I was there and I gave and it was, it was incredible. You know, um, oh, did you know the uh, charity auction that I put on? Uh, it only raised about, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars or so. I don't know, nothing big, right? Um, it's one of those things like you want to, you hear these people, they want to make like big contributions to society and they're going to be so humble about it and let you know how humble they are. Uh, the other side is, have you ever met somebody who thinks that they're doing, a, doing you a favor and it's really not, right? Like, uh, okay, so here's, here's one of the things, and, and none of my children are here except for Riley, but she's awesome at this. So, um, uh, so my little Rowan, right? She's seven years old. She's great. She's wonderful. She smells like peaches. It's wonderful, right? And uh, she'll come, Dad, I want to give you a back rub. I'm like, okay, Dad's back is pretty rough to grab hold of, but that's all right. And she'll just get on there and it hurts like the dickens. You know why? Because she's just pinching my skin. Like she's not getting my muscles. There's no, no massage going on. It's just let me pinch your skin. Right. And so she's back there. She's like, doesn't that feel good? And I'm going, yeah, it feels great, honey. And I hate lying to you, but oh, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. But there's some people that when they show up to help you out, it, it tends that they don't help at all. The other one that it was pretty funny is uh, we had like a big cleanup day one day and uh, a big group of men show up and they're going to do this big cleanup, right? And the next thing you know, they're like taking like things that are really important and they're just chucking them in the dumpster, right? It's like, hey, we need this area clean. Well, I can clean that. (laughs) And they're just bombing it away. And you're like, no, no, no. You're throwing away really important stuff. Like you can't just go crazy at it. So really, a lot of the times we think that, that we're doing really good things, that, that we're trying really hard. I'm, I'm going to do something really good to serve you. I'm going to do something that really makes a difference. And on the other hand, it ends up working counterproductive. So, so there's two kinds of people that we're just going to look at for now is, is the kind that think like they're doing something, making a difference, and they really want everybody to know about it. And the other ones who jump in both hands, they're trying to get with it, but they end up doing more damage than good. Uh, most of the time it looks like guys trying to help women do something because you guys have a plan and we just kind of go, right? Unless it's like lift that from here to here. We got to just let you roll and tell us what to do. And, and that, we're learning that, okay? So in this section of scripture, it's really important to understand again where we're coming from. Where Paul's saying, hey, I want you guys to understand some things. That doing good doesn't always end up good. That doing good can sometimes be painful, can sometimes put you in harm's way, can put you into some dangerous situations. And and doing good, even if you have a good heart about it, can still lead to dark places or painful places. 
So when we look at this section of scripture that you were reading together, and again, I'm going from the New International Version. There's tons of versions. We love them all as long as they talk about Jesus and are correct. Here's what it says. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. So there's a ministry that we heard about a number of years ago, and it kind of came on the scene, and it was one of the most audacious, crazy ideas that I had heard about in the church world in all of my uh, being a pastor. It was a group of guys that looked and said, hey, one thing we're noticing is that pornography is a huge issue in men, culture, life, and community. And we're noticing that a lot of our friends are going down because they're being ensnared by pornography. Okay? Whether it's on the internet or movies or whatever. And so those guys decided, instead of making the people who make those films and and who kind of put all that information out there, instead of making them the enemy, they wanted to go to the source and they wanted to figure out why and how and what was really the source of all this. Instead of coming and saying, hey, you've got a problem, I want to fix you, they decided there's obviously some issues that we're not seeing that are even bigger. So they started as pastors and leaders in churches interviewing people that worked in the porn industry. And as they were interviewing them, what they realized was a lot of those people have just as much brokenness on their side, lacking and missing the image of God in their hearts. They've got lots of questions. There's lots of things along the way that have brought them to that point. And they're saying, this is a huge place that needs ministry. And instead of looking and going, all those people are horrible and they should go to hell and they should just be cast out, right? Which is kind of like a, a typical response when you see something horrible that you should just get away from it. What those guys did is they felt the Spirit of God drawing them toward it. And they prayed, and they spent some time fasting and and having conversation with their wives. And they said, this sounds totally nuts, but I think what we need to do is the two of us and our wives need to go and set up a booth at the biggest pornography expo in Las Vegas and Los Angeles where they have all the movie makers and all the people who show up, lots of brokenness, lots of gross stuff happening there. We're going to set up a booth and offer to give people Bibles and pray for them. And we don't care what anybody has to say. We don't care if they mock us, if they make fun of us. We don't care. We're just going to be available and we're going to love no matter what. Now that first part right here, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. What ended up happening was when they realized they weren't there to pick it, like the first people that they had met in the name of Jesus who had come to just love them appropriately and care for them, not take advantage of them, they started to listen. And so these guys, they got an even bigger idea. They said, we're going to make Bibles specifically for this crew. So what they did is they put like a crazy graphic on the outside of the Bible, like leather bound Bibles. And they made like a 70s looking Jesus or something with like a minivan on it. I don't even know. It's kind of weird. And it said on the front, Jesus loves porn stars. And, and people were like, I remember guys from churches just going, what in the world? And they created this nonprofit group called Triple X Church. 
And they started people sending people to their website. And they started going to these things and handing out Bibles and praying with them and encouraging them and saying, there's another way. There's a good way. And they're literally in their booth with these people that are there to further their careers. And they're praying with them and they're encouraging them and they're lifting them up. And there's gals that are just breaking down in tears, right? To the point that they're like, hey, can you guys do that later? You're kind of bringing the whole thing down. Like this is, this is not the vibe we were going for. <laughs> And what they started seeing was lives started getting changed. But then I went and I met with a couple of those guys at a, a conference um, a couple of years after they started. And they said, now, here's the thing we got to be careful, though. For whatever reason, God put this on our heart. And the two of us and our wives, we've been in this. And, and he sent us people along the way. But what we've recognized is not, this is not a ministry for everybody because it's dangerous. You get there and you start seeing things and you start awakening parts of your heart that you didn't realize were inside of you and you can get caught in sin real quick. And they said, for whatever reason, God has given us the grace and the peace to be able to let that be. And he's given us kind of blinders and, and been able to put us in paths where that hasn't been a struggle for us or our wives and, and the people that have come around us. But they did have some pretty tragic stories of a few people that joined their crew that it it took another turn for them. And that's where it comes out, where it says this, but be careful and watch yourself, otherwise you may be tempted also. See, Paul is preaching a gospel and a message. And I would say here tonight, we need to understand this. Like the message of the gospel is love and grace and allowing the spirit of God to change people. There is nothing about the message of the gospel that requires me to stand up and tell you you're wrong and you're going to hell. Most of us figure that out in the process. In fact, when you and I have done wrong, most of us have in our heart that there's something out of order. There's not a lot of people that I've met who know when they're headed down a road they shouldn't have gone. Most people know that, right? There's not a lot of people that just blindly find their way to it. In fact, working with students most of my life, one of the things that I would ask when a student gets in trouble is they'll take it all the way back. Well, everything was good, and then I started hanging out with a group of friends, and then I made some choices, and then I I made some moves, and then I felt lost, and now I found myself here. See, most people can track back where it started, and what he's saying is this. You don't have to beat people over the head And let them know that they're broken. Most people know that. So love them. And bring them back in. And encourage them. And strengthen them. And help them to see the image of God that resides in their heart. Proclaim the message of Christ. Because that's what he's been saying in all of Galatians. But then he gives this warning at the end. He says, no matter what good intention you have, you have to be careful and on alert too. Because sometimes you can love so much and you can try and welcome them in so much that you might actually get caught in your friend's sin so be cautious verse two and i'll pick it up don't think like every verse we're going to take half an hour all right verse two says this so carry each other's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of christ I'm going to stop there again, and I'm not going to go too long on this. But carrying each other's burdens, it's not just saying, oh, how sad for you. Oh, oh, that must be a bummer. No, it's actually 
taking it on. And last week, um, for those of you who are here, which basically we have like a whole new church on the grass every single week because it's summer, right? And so the last week we were talking about what it looks like to actually get in and serve somebody to where it costs you something. Josh let me know he'll never be able to go to the coast on a weekend again, right? Might as well just sell the house, all right? So, so one of the things that we were talking about is there's points where I have to sacrifice in order to serve. Where the goal of my life is not that I end up in retirement fl- flinging rocks at the ocean and picking up shells. No, the goal in my life is that I've served others in such a way that more have been drawn to Christ and I've made an impact. There, there's something bigger than me. My brother was in town last week, and all three of us have been pastors um, and have become pastors. And now he's stepping into another line of work, encouraging leaders and doing some different things. And we started talking about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have been affected and touched by just the three of us in our ministry. All because when my dad was like 17 years old... He got tired of driving by this church on Sundays and seeing a bunch of people there and not knowing what they were doing inside. So he went in and he met Jesus and it changed our future. And not only did it change my family, but it changed families all throughout. And one of the things we keep in mind on a regular basis is how easy would it be for us to have missed the message if my dad hadn't like stepped into that church. How easy would it have been for us to miss the call of God and and miss what God had for us if, if that one isolated moment or few things in our lives hadn't happened where God met us. So he's saying, hey, don't just look at someone and write them off because God came for them too. I was listening this morning to a message and the pastor was talking about the fact that Even the thief that was on the cross next to Christ. Christ had died for him too. He was on death row. There's people that are incarcerated today that Christ died for them to give them salvation. There's people that do bad things and have done bad things and and do a lot of horrible stuff. And we've got to keep in mind, we don't know what's going on in their heart, mind, and spirit. But we do know that we serve a God that wants to save and seek out the lost. So when he says carry one another's burdens he says do more than just do good don't just pat them on the head and walk away but literally take it on and do your best to carry the burden of your brother verse 3 it says if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing he deceives himself each one should test his own actions then he can take uh, pride in himself Without comparison and comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. How many of you have ever watched the show Friends? You can respond to me because I need that, okay? I know we're on the... Oh, that's great. Everybody watched Friends? Seen it, right? So there was an episode of Friends that kind of rocked my world. I got to know. It messed up my theology. Messed up my life, right? There's an episode of Friends where uh, it was... I think it was Phoebe. I like Phoebe. She's a great theologian, right? Phoebe uh, had made a challenge that there's nothing you can do for somebody or to give to somebody that isn't really about you, right? 
And they were like, no, no, I'm giving $100. Well, why? And, and they started tracking back. And I think it was Phoebe and Joey having this conversation. I know if you haven't watched Friends, well, you should. All right. It's got horrible moral character in it, but it's a great show. Uh, and so as they're going on, Joey's like, no, what if I did this? And she was like, no, it ends up being about you. And they kept going and everything they did, no matter what it was, it always came back to being about them. Right. And it was this crazy thing. They could not make it purely selfless. And, and when I look at this scripture, it's hard. I mean, I, I don't want Phoebe Buffet to rule my, rule my life, but each one of us should test his own actions, and then he can take pride in himself. But, but it's not about how I feel when I'm done. It's not about me. I, I've said this every week since we started meeting, is it's not about me, but it does start with me. It starts with me, but it doesn't end with me. And the story isn't about me. Jesus didn't come so that Jeff Atherton could have a perfect life. Although I got a pretty good one. Jesus came so that all of us could be drawn to him. And the big picture is this. Like sometimes we love to take the idea that I did this. Or I'm so awesome. Now I I mentioned a couple weeks ago. And for those of you who are here, great. If you haven't, just listen in. Um, I've been frustrated that now I'm 39 years old. I know, not old to some, really old to others, okay? And I've noticed that I have developed a, a, a body by bakery issue, all right? I love carbs, right? And I, I can't get enough. So um, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. And a buddy of mine who goes to this church who's super fit and not in town this week because uh, he's at the CrossFit Games. Um, we were talking and he was like, hey, if you want to start working out, like it'd be really cool if we did like a guy's Bible study. We could do like a morning workout and then Bible study and that'd be really cool. And I'd love to help you out. And, you know, he wasn't like trying to make himself the man. We're really good friends like that. And it makes good sense. Right. All the while, I'm thinking just the thought of that makes me want to throw up right here on the spot like i don't want to do 75 lunges just standing here you know and then all of a sudden be winded and realize how horrible of a human being i am like i don't want to do that and and we started talking about it right and one of the things that his wife jumped in which really helped right and she was like don't worry about it you can make the weight a lot less well then the man inside of me was like no i lift the heaviest weights right and as i'm trying to respond my brain's getting blown up all at the same time She's like, no, it's this cool thing. It's called scaling, right? And so you just do whatever weight you can do, and nobody judges you for it. And I'm like, everybody judges you for it. I've been to the gym, right? And as we're talking about it, I'm hearing this, and I'm thinking, it's the idea that it's how much you can do, not how much my neighbor can do, not how much I'm suited to them, not me looking across the room like I did when I was in third grade and going, yeah, mom, I got a C, but everybody got a C, right? It's about me. It's about what God wants from me. So when he says, carry one another's burdens and don't think you're hot stuff, measure against yourself. You can always do better. You can always do better. Some of you know my story. A lot of you probably don't. I ran track in college and I played football in college. Um, None of this says football and track. I'm just letting you know, okay? Um, But that was kind of my gig. And my senior year, there weren't a lot of sprinters at Azusa Pacific University to hang out with and train with. So my coach came and said, I got a real treat for you. I said, that's awesome. He said, you're going to train with the Nigerian National Sprint Team. 
because they all live here and train here, and I need you to get this specific training from them. Well, I'm thinking I'm pretty hot stuff, right? Until I showed up to the track. And I realized the Nigerian national sprint team, these guys are like 6'2", 6'3", with legs that go up to here, and then big old butts that are built for track, and then little tiny tops, and they can just fast, crazy fast, right? And my little legs had to double time it to get through the thing, right? And I realized I wasn't suited for what they were doing. We had two of the guys, the twins, that were running world record pace times at that point. They set the record, Guinness World Book of Records, as fast as twins in the history of the world right and here i am training with them i do not belong at all no way shape or form and then the coach came over to me and he was he was an awesome guy I didn't understand half of what he said because they all spoke nigerian and i had no idea right and he came over and he goes white man i said yes they used to call me white lightning i really like that maybe feel uh most of the time they called me cream filling but that was uh and they would make fun of my little love handles, too. It's a little embarrassing at that point. And I didn't look like this at that point. They'd really mock me now. But, um, but, but here's the, the thing. He came over and he was like, I need you to understand something. Your times are your times. Their times are their times. And I said, very wise, oh, great philosopher. Right? I'm looking and I'm like, oh, Mr. Miyagi, thank you. Right? And, and he said, no, no, no. You need to understand. If these guys don't get the times they get, they don't live. Like, this is how they make money. This is what they do. They, if they don't perform at this level, they don't get to survive because this is how they've found a way to make a living. But you, you're here to go to school, and then you're going to go preach the message of the gospel, and you need to know, you do the best you can do, and we're going to be happy with you. And for whatever reason, that clicked in my head that, you know what, I wasn't built to run a 9-9-200 meters. I'm no Usain Bolt. I'm Jeff Atherton, and some days, if I can hit a 10-8, 10-7, praise God, right? Faster than most. And so I started to take that on, and it was amazing the difference in the way I competed. And Paul's saying that to the Galatian church. He's saying, hey, I just need you to understand. You guys do the best you can do. Serve the best that you can. Carry the burden that you've been built to carry. Don't try to make it somebody else's thing. Don't try to match up to what they can do. We talk about it sometimes. People, we got around in this valley. There's like millionaires, right? Um, I'm, I'm more of like a, a thousandaire, right? And, and most of the people I know are more like hundredaires, right? Where I got, a, at any given point, maybe a couple hundred bucks in my savings account. And I'm feeling good about life. So when I see somebody turn around and they can write a big old fat check to kind of sponsor somebody's lifetime, right? That's, that's absolutely wonderful. But if I try to be that guy and I try to live up to that, I'm never going to make it. Sometimes we do the keeping up with the Joneses in our spiritual lives. Well, they did that. Well, maybe I should do that. Well, you do that. Maybe I should. Well, you're Mr. CrossFit. Maybe I should do that. Well, you've got a BMW now. Maybe I should have that. And what we end up doing is we try to match up. And Paul says, hey, remember, you're here to lift one another up, encourage one another, to do it at your pace. And he says, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A, ram, a man reaps what he sows. 
The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. One of the most confusing parts of this scripture, when I would read it for the most part, was where it says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. It's this. You can't fake it six days a week to show up one day of the week and be that really cool Christian guy that does all his stuff. That's mocking God. That's saying, I don't think God lives outside of, you know, this property. If we were in a building, we would say, I don't believe God travels outside of this roof. But the truth is, God is bigger, greater, sees everything, knows everything. Everything is in the palm of his hand. And if I want to live one way outside of the bounds of God, he knows it on that seventh day when I walk in to worship him. He says, don't be deceived. You're not fooling anybody, God especially. Again, being a student ministry pastor, working with students most of my life, kids can fake it good. We become professional fakers. We're like, hey, how is it going? Oh, things are great. Things are awesome. How was the weekend? Oh, it was so great. I just hung out, you know, played Othello. And I don't, nobody plays Othello, by the way, if, unless it's on the, anyway. Um, I was just hanging out. We played cards with my family. I didn't do any. Meanwhile, I know that the parties that they were at that weekend, right? And I'm like, oh, you didn't go anywhere, do anything. You know, it wasn't kind of wild. You didn't get a little spicy this weekend. No, no, no. Why would you think so? And here's the thing. We can fake each other out as long as you want to go. How you do? I'm great. But if you go home after saying I'm great, and you got all kinds of other stuff going on. You're not fooling anybody. It doesn't make you feel any better to make me feel better. And the Spirit of God says this to us tonight out of this word. Hey, if you were to just translate in this, stop faking. Like, be real. Care for one another. Like, if you're struggling, struggle. Out in the open. <laughs> If, you, if you're having a great day, have a great day. But if you're having a kind of a poop sauce day, right? Then people are like, poop sauce, that's gross. But if you're having one of those days that's just like, oh, this is horrible, it's okay. Now, on the other hand, don't sit and be like, <laughs> all over me because I, I don't have a lot of compassion for some of it, right? But what I do want to know is, can you be real? Can we honor one another? By caring for one another. And can we find a way to say, look, I'm not going to mock God. I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to live six days this way and one day this. I'm just going to give it all to him. And right here where he says this, I love at the end. If we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Especially those who belong to the family of believers. And he reminds us, hey, some of you, you love doing good. Because you love the glory. And some of us, we love doing good because we just like how it feels. It makes us mm, so good inside. Some of us, we do good thinking we're doing good and we're actually like super destructive. He says, keep your eyes open. Do good to please the Heavenly Father. 
Do good to rescue the people around you. Do good to honor others and to to lift up the one who redeemed you and saved you from the very beginning. It starts with you, but it's not about you. And at the end of the day, there's a lot in you that needs to get cleaned up. There's a lot in us that needs to get real. And at the end of it all, let's not grow weary in doing well. Let's make sure that doing well is how we live and not how we fake like we live. So tonight, I guess it would be this, that, that I come down to like the final thought. It would be like, have you figured out for yourself what it's going to look like to be a seven-day-a-week follower of Christ? Like an every-minute every hour kind of follower of Christ. And what would that look like to the people around you? Maybe some of you are like, man, I just got, I, I reserve like 20 minutes of my life to do other things, right? Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And some of us were saying, man, I've got like four or five days that I need to give over to the presence of the Lord. And I think if we take Paul's call, there's a couple places that we could take a challenge to be about the people around us to be about serving them, honoring them, helping them out of tough places, to be more about serving and loving broken people than ridiculing them and putting them aside. And for us to be more aware and more about becoming a a seven-day-a-week follower of God than a a few minutes when I'm in front of people kind of guy. So when it comes to this point, I just want to pray over you. And I want to pray with you. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And this is something we do every week. Just close our eyes, bow our heads. It's nice because we've got the fountains in the back. And we've got the breeze blowing. And it's beautiful out here. But I just want you to take stock for just a couple minutes. And some people ask me, Jeff, why do you do this every week? It's because I don't ever want to leave an opportunity where somebody, God is speaking into somebody's life. And we don't give people a chance to respond. So, so here's this. If, if God's just speaking to you in a specific area. Whatever that is for you, I just want you to take a minute and say, God, I've got you on that. Like that thing. Call that thing out to him. You don't have to do it out loud. It's just between you and him. Just in the silence of this moment. What is God saying to you here? I think the next thing would be if he's saying to something to you and you really want to respond and you're saying, God, I really want to do this. It's admitting the next step and knowing that you can't really do anything on your own. Apart from the spirit of God giving you the power to change, you and I will only be doing part-time behavior modification. Like we cannot make huge changes in our lives without the presence of God giving us that strength. And so if God's been speaking to your heart, even through this next few minutes on whatever level, new believer to somebody who's been in the church forever, if God's saying something to you, now would be a great time to just say, God, Would you give me the strength to do that this week? Would you give me the strength to be that? I don't want to just do church. I want to be the church. And I don't want to just do Christianity. I want to be a Christian and follow in that faith. So would you, just in these moments, in your own words to God, ask Him to give you the strength for the task that He's put on your heart?
And the final thing tonight would be this. If you don't know if you've made a solid, surrendered choice to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. we got a group of kids that are meeting out behind us that are hearing the message of the gospel. And it would be crazy for us in this place to just let the gospel be a part of what we do and not everything of what we do. And so if you're here and you don't remember a time in your life when you've said, Jesus, I surrender to your authority in my life. And you don't remember a time and you haven't made that choice to say, God, I want to make you everything. And and the first and the last of everything that I do, I want to give you a chance to do that tonight. So here's what you would do is just kind of in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own spirit. Just say this. God, thank you. God, thank you for the chance that you've given me to hear your message to hear about Jesus, and to hear about grace. And in your own heart, you can begin to let Christ know, there's a few areas of my life that I want you to have. Whatever those things are that you're hearing in your own heart, those are the things to just give over to God right now. And once you've given those over, we just say, Lord, give us the strength to change. I receive your son. I receive your truth. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. And with that in mind, I'd just like to know, and I'd just like to be able to pray with you as I get ready to pray over this group. If there's anybody that kind of prayed that prayer along with us tonight, again, I don't know most of y'all in your journey, but if that was you, if you want to just raise your hand and look at me, like I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I want to give you a chance. It's awesome. People are hearing the Spirit of God here. Like there's big miracle stuff taking place. Anybody else that's just responded to God tonight? great so god we come before you and i recognize that you are doing miracles in the hearts and lives of people in this place we love you and we want to witness your glory among us we thank you for your grace we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for the good name of your son jesus christ that's challenging us to build one another up, to walk with one another through troubling times, to seek the extent to which we can love and care, and to not grow weary in doing well, but to live seven days a week versus that one, two, or three. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So there were a few people here that responded for that that prayer, and a couple of you who probably got a really good nap in just a couple minutes, all right? But I just want to give you kind of like, here's what the next steps for all of us look like. Hopefully this week, you take an opportunity to crack open your Bible and maybe even just read through the book of Galatians to see what it is and what it isn't. Maybe rehashing this section of scripture to ask yourself, like, am I just doing good or or is this what God wants from me? 
Secondly, I would say, like, we've got to let people know. One of the things about salvation, it's, it's about believing your heart and confessing it with your mouth. So if you made that choice, whether it's tonight at the dinner time or sending me a quick little message, you can do that through all of our interwebs, all that kind of stuff, or spending some time talking to a few people at this place, let them know, this is the choice that I made tonight. This is where I'm at, and this is what's going on, because it's going to get real, and it's going to be awesome. And finally, I would just say this for each and every one of us. What if we took the challenge this week, where before our our feet hit the floor every single day this week, we just remembered seven days a week, 24 hours a day, I'm yours. God, bring it on. Whatever you think I can handle, however much weight you want me to carry, I'm here. I'm going to do it. I'm here, and I'm yours. That's our call. That's our challenge. And so I want to just get, offer this blessing over you. So if you'll just extend your hands, this is the way we close our service times here. And I'm going to ask, may the Lord bless you. And may He keep you safe. And may His face shine upon you like the sun that burns upon the valley. May His glory be made evident in your everyday life. And may His Spirit give you the strength this week to be His 24 hours a day, seven days this week. He died for you. Let's live for him this week. Go and do well. Have a great week. We love you.